<laughs> Some days, that's good. I feel like we, I guess we look that way. Yeah. 
bees when I hooked it up again today. Oh, oh no. yeah. Well, one of those is mine. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. look at that. See, if any of you want to do that, it's great. So, we need some garlands. Yeah, that's what this is. All of the name tags that did not print last week that did print this week. Yeah, do you want to do a little bit of ribbon dance? Yeah, yeah. We can be a ribbon dancing church.
mic. Here's Mike's switches. They both say Mike. Um, do we turn channels one and two here off? Well, like it looks like there's not an off. I love uh, people saying good morning to each other. Also, special welcome to people on our on-site community. Hello. I see that um, a lot of us are biased towards the left. <laughs> and then a lot of <laughs> It's like amazingly sparse on the other side of the room. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> hello. I'm just so grateful that all of you could be here today. Uh, we are going to continue our uh, sermon series on relationships, which is very exciting. We have great music and um, some special things that are we have in store. So get ready for a great worship service. If you are joining us online, feel free to share this service in your social media networks. Let people know that you're worshiping with us. We intentionally divested from Facebook and Meta, so we are not streaming on Facebook because it kind of ruins people's brains, but <laughs> instead we are uh, uh, worshiping through our website, so please do get the word out. We're counting on you for that. One of our spiritual growth goals for 2022 was to get more in touch with our ancestors, get more in touch with the people who have gone before us, and so I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I would like you to name to yourself who are people that you're bringing with you on this journey? Who are like important teachers, historical figures, um, biblical characters, artists who have informed your faith that you can kind of like bring with you this morning? So we're gonna have just 30 seconds to reflect to ourselves.
Taking a deep breath in, remembering who's with us in this room, and exhaling. Um, hey, on September 15th, Hispanic Heritage Month started. Yay! And so we asked the Latine members of our community if there are any particular things that folks would like to uh, have included in the worship service. And by the way, if you identify as Latine and you want to uh, incorporate something, then please let us know. Uh, one request was to remember a spiritual ancestor named Lola Rodriguez de Tio. Uh, she was a renowned poet, 1800s, like one of the first female poets to be known throughout Central and South America. She fought passionately for women's rights, the abolition of slavery, and the independence of Puerto Rico. And uh, I pulled an excerpt from one of the poems that she wrote, one of the revolutionary poems that she wrote. Uh, she says, we no longer want despots. May the tyrant fall now. The unconquerable women also will know how to fight. Oh Hallelujah! Listen, what if mom blogs were like that? You know what I mean? Like, ooh, I'm excited about that. Um, so uh, we also kind of remember all the revolutionaries who went before us to bring in this space. Um, so now, with, uh, with all of that in mind, let's just take a deep breath together. And I want to invite you all to stand if you would like to and sing with our, uh, our first song today.
take a seat if you would like. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you so much um, for worshiping with us today and remembering that God is a great God, that God is a big God, that God is a, above our shame, God is above our uh, fear, and we are here to worship God. Ooh, hallelujah. Um, I want to invite the uh, kiddos to go to uh, play with Iden if you would like to have some children's ministry time. No pressure, but you are certainly welcome to. Yeah, let's give it up for kids. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 kids. Um, so New City Church is here to um, uh, create inspired and skilled communities that join God in transforming the world. Yeah, yeah, yes. This is our mission statement. This is why we're here. By worshiping with us this morning, you are helping our community to transform our inner and outer lives. That's what worship is all about, and we are so grateful that you are here. Special welcome to people who are uh, visiting us either online or on site for the first time or the first time in a long time. We're so grateful that you could join us. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 5, 1 through 7, and I'm going to read through it and then ask you to call out a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Psalm 5, 1 through 7. Hear my words, Lord. Consider my groans. Pay attention to the sound of my cries, my king and my God, my queen. And my, can we just queer this up a little bit? My queen and my God, please, Lord, because I'm praying to you. Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay it all out before you. Then I wait expectantly. Because you aren't a God who enjoys wickedness. Evil doesn't live with you. Arrogant people won't last long in your sight. You hate all evildoers. You destroy liars. The Lord despises people who are violent and dishonest. But me? I will enter your house because of your abundant, faithful love. I will bow down at your holy temple, honoring you. So from that reading, and I'm also going to pull up my chat, so it, uh, you can definitely pull it, say in the chat what word stuck out to you. Uh, just call out. What, what was something that stuck out to you from that moment? You hear my cries, groans, yes, for sure. Can we just all uh, uh, collectively as a community make a big groan sound? Okay, one, two, three. Ah, that's what it's like to... Be God listening to all the prayer. <laughs> and God loves us. It's amazing. Yes, we see in the community, um, uh, evil doesn't live with you, expectantly, abundant, um, awaiting. Yes, yes, yes. Any other words that stuck out to you? Patient. Yeah. Hmm. The scripture is powerful. It speaks to us a different way every time we encounter it. And so even if you have been reading the Bible for a long time, I hope that you're able to kind of approach this with fresh eyes. We are in the middle of this sermon series called Love Notes. Ah, yes. Listen, we kicked it off yesterday at Charter Sunday, and it was awesome. It was a full energized, exciting time when we kind of became an official United Methodist Church, which was amazing. Yes, yes, yes. We thank the Lord. Listen, something that wasn't mentioned uh, last week was there are 
not a ton of United Methodist churches that are able to grow and be as strong to the, get to the point of being a chartering church. Like, very few. In Minnesota, like, like a handful, like one of a, a couple over the past 15 years. So we give glory to God, amen. We give thanks to the grace that is available in this community. We give thanks to the spirit that is empowering and lifting us all, hallelujah. Um, we are in this series looking at relationships. And so we're looking at um, romantic relationships, platonic relationships, roommate relationships, neighbor relationships, mentor relationships. And uh, every week we have a sermon series challenge where there will be time during the service for you to write an, a, a love note, a note of advice to your younger self on the topic of that, uh, that week. And then um, you'll write that note. On Wednesday, we'll post it to Circle, our online platform, which you can, you can join at grownewcity.church slash circle. And we'll also start filling up our letters with love notes. And so we see the notes from last week already populating our letters and, um, and letting us know that there is like a spirit-whispered wisdom in this room and, and that you have something from hard-earned wisdom that other members of the community need to hear, and this is how we are sharing it together. Amen? Um, and so uh, something else that we do as a community is after I preach, there will be a time for you to, um, to speak. And so you, you can write your postcard, but you can also come up here and read your postcard if you'd like. And the focus question is, what advice do you have for your younger self regarding your relationship with yourself and with prayer. What advice do you have for your younger self regarding your relationship with self and prayer? Yeah, and I see um, on the ends of the rows, we have these piles of cards. Feel free to distribute those down. Uh, make a friend with your neighbor. Hallelujah. And uh, hello, hello, hello. There are pens uh, on the uh, welcome table, if, or on the welcome cart, if you'd like. And of course, if you're joining us online, uh, on Circle, um, on Wednesday, there will be a post, and we want you to respond in the comments what is advice that you would give to your younger self regarding your relationship with yourself and with prayer. We're so grateful for our online community continuing to like robustly show up in this way and holding each other in that way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, by the way, how many of you were here last week? Was it hot? It was a hot week, right? Yeah, it was a good week. Um, so one of the takeaways from that week, if you remember, was if we are to make it, we must get continually better at loving. We must get continually better at loving. And we looked at research that said that um, loneliness is a public health crisis, that, that it's almost like our creator made us to be in relationship with each other and to love each other. And when we live in isolation, it has negative health impacts on our body. One researcher found that being lonely has the health equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, so uh, we, are, we are striving to continually be in better relationship together. And in order to do that, we need to be able to love better. Amen? We have to be able to love better. And so, uh, so we're going like, to start with lots of different types of relationships, but today we're going to focus on your relationship with yourself. 
Because if you don't start healing up some of the relationships, shoring up the relationship with yourself, then it's going to be kind of hard to love other people and to create loving space for other people. And so I just want you to think to yourself, like, what is your relationship with yourself like today? Like, if you were to assign a color to it, uh, what, what would that be? If you were to assign an adjective or a word, what is the meanest thing that you said to yourself this week? And what is the kindest thing that you said to yourself this week? When you wake up, how are you holding yourself or not? Do you show yourself half the amount of love that you show the loved ones in your life? This is what we're exploring this week because in the words of ordained minister RuPaul in RuPaul's Drag Race, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love anyone else? Can I get an amen up in here? Yay, amen, yes, yes, yes. Ordained minister. RuPaul, by the way. Um, so, uh, and I know that in my life, one of the most important disciplines in my life, one of the key habits in my life, one of the things that I wake up to and look to every morning in my life to start to repair my relationship with myself is prayer. Prayer, I, I know a lot of folks who maybe grew up in the church or grew up in different traditions of the church, maybe harmful traditions of the church, were like talking, um, a lot of people grew up with this sense that prayer is all about like, you know, um, God, may I be less so that you can be more, didn't, you know, like I, like, I just, I'm just this lowly, poopy worm and, and God, you're like amazing and prayer is when I remember how lowly I am. Uh, which ironically brings a lot of attention to yourself. It's, it's this whole like Enneagram 4 thing. If you want to talk about it later, we could talk about it. So uh, <laughs> they're like, by saying how lowly you are all the time, do you see how like you're kind of just bringing the attention to yourself? So, um, so I, uh, prayer has been just in my own journey a very important uh, uh, rhythm, a very important practice. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I started doing some research and there is some, um, very recently published research on prayer and its impacts on our body. Some very recent, like it's on the front page of Sahan Journal right now, which is a local uh, kind of Twin Cities news service that focuses on immigrant voices. And so this is research done by Dr. La Princess Brewer, who uh, is just amazing. BA, get this, BA Chemical Engineering, Howard University. Master's of Public Health, epidemi, epide, epidermi, epidemiological, epidemiological and biostatistical methods for public health and clinical research. John Hopkins uh, has her MD from George Washington University. The city of Minneapolis Department of Civil Rights awarded her History Making at Home Award. She has published a ton of things. And let me just say, you don't have to be educated to be smart, but this lady's both of them. So we are <laughs> grateful that uh, she is going um, specifically into the back black community and researching public health impacts in the black community. And one of her most recent projects was looking at the role of uh, spirituality and religious life in the black community with uh, public health. And she had hypothesized that uh, being part of a church would be helpful for your health for kind of, um, you know, things like socially being around other people is good for health, 
And when you can be around other people and they're checking in on each other, that tends to result in better public health. Like she kind of already went in assuming that that was the case. But what her research found was that not only does public faith life have a positive impact on health outcomes, but also private faith life has a positive health on outcomes. The things that people did independently by themselves, in secret even, she found that people who engaged in private prayer more frequently were 12% more likely to be at an intermediate or ideal level for diet and 24% more likely to be a non-smoker. Isn't that so interesting? She's fine. She, so she's like deep in these communities and um, she cares about uh, 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 the public health imbalances. Like she clearly named in, the, in, the, um, in all of her interviews about this research that in the state of Minnesota, uh, you know, Minnesota is considered a very healthy state, but the health impacts nonetheless are disproportionately on bodies of color. Um, a black Minnesotan is twice as likely to die from uh, heart disease than a white Minnesotan. And so like her research is really trying to figure out how to uh, level out that disparity and try to, try to understand why that is. And she found things like uh, chronic stress, living in like a Minnesota nice, she didn't say this explicitly, but like Minnesota nice racism like kills us all, like let's just be real about that. And like this kind of, um, uh, the, you know, so many, so many um, disenfranchised, like uh, lack of investment, all these things kind of layer on top of each other to make heart disease really significant. And she found that one of the variables to be able to extend and support black life in Minnesota is for people to adopt a private prayer practice. And she statistically correlated it. Like she, she found this. And I think that's really interesting because she, unlike RuPaul, is not an ordained minister. She didn't come at this with an agenda to try to encourage people to pray. But she did say, like, I do think that there's something here that we have to understand. And, and so um, I think that for the sake of our own relationship with our bodies, it might be worth visiting what our relationship with prayer is like. So I grew up in uh, United Methodist Church, born and raised in United Methodist. I just love it. And, um, you know, I was over in the, uh, in the Minnesota youth group, in the youth group. Did any of you guys go to youth group in, <laughs> in church? Okay. And there was John and Stacy, um, and, and John and Stacy were leading the youth group, and we did the usual, like, um, yeah, yeah, like uh, the activity where you wrap yourself in cellophane and then you inchworm across the floor and eat a banana. Did you ever do this activity? <laughs> Listen, okay, this is an aside. So you like, so you hold the edge of the plastic wrap roll and they hold it here and then you kind of like do a this situation until your arms are bound by your side and then they lay you down and you have to inchworm your way across the floor to eat a banana. This is how I learned about Jesus, by the way, <laughs> in the early times. Hallelujah. I almost, I did almost choke in that activity because I was very ambitious about that. I was like, I'm not a particularly competitive person, but apparently uh, in inchworm-related challenges, I just really go for it. So, um, yeah, so I uh, was in youth group, 
And John and Stacy had uh, given us each notebooks. And uh, they said, I want to challenge you to pray every day in your journal for a month. Pray every day in your journal for a month. And maybe it was because I uh, had almost just choked on an inchworm challenge. Or maybe it was because um, I've always been kind of like a deeply spiritually curious person. Or maybe it's because I was a queer person growing up in the church. And a lot of times, have y'all ever heard of this, like gold star kids who are like queer people who grow up in the church who are like, well, I'm going to do everything perfect because maybe if I do everything great, then you won't be violent to me (laughs) because I'm queer. So like maybe I was just like going for the gold star there. Um, (laughs) uh, But I think that like more... More than anything, there was a certain hand of God moving through this challenge. Because even after that month had ended and I had journaled to God every single day, thank you very much, uh, and even after that entire notebook ended where I filled every page with prayer, and, and after that month ended and after that year ended, And after that decade ended, I kept writing every day to God through praying through this journal because I found that more than than simply reflecting to myself, somehow or another, there is power in the practice. There's power in returning to God. Barbara Brown Taylor talks about... um, Spirituality is not a, uh, uh, a mountain that you climb once. Spirituality is a mountain that you climb every day to try to familiarize yourself with the mystery that is beyond. And I found out, even as a kid, that there is power in the practice that when I write about even the smallest concerns that my little middle-aged brain, my middle schooler brain had, that I, <laughs> I'm getting the middle-aged brain soon. Y'all, y'all get ready. But um, there's power in reaching out to a God and then actually like kind of receiving a response from that God. There's power in allowing yourself to process something, not just in kind of like the same spirals that you always find yourself in mentally, but to be able to be in conversation with a God of infinite love. Like there is power in the practice, there's power, there's so much power in the practice that it changes your heart. And now we have research to find that it changes your heart. And so, uh, the, the next question is, what is the practice for you? You know, like I'm not saying that you, your spiritual life has to be identical to my spiritual life, but I do think that there's power in a practice where you are encountering God again and again. I think that there's something to be said about you showing up regularly to God. And by the way, by practice, I mean every time is not going to be like mountaintop moment fireworks show. Like sometimes prayer is going to be a little boring. Sometimes it's going to be a little dry. But you practice not because every time is an experience for you to consume, but because you are building a relationship And sometimes relationships aren't just always about bunnies and duckies. (laughs) Sometimes you have to practice. And if we can't practice building a relationship with God, who unconditionally loves us, 
it might be hard to build relationships with other people who do not necessarily unconditionally love us. Um, and so what, what is your practice? We see in the book of Psalms uh, a model of what your practice might look like. In Psalm 5, in our scripture reading today, we uh, hear the psalmist, so it's attributed to David. It might have been David who wrote this or someone who's kind of in David's circles. Um, uh, we, we hear an opening of the psalm. Hear my words, Lord. Consider my groans. Pay attention to the sound of my cries. My king and my God because I am praying to you. Okay, so I don't know, like, what your favorite way to get someone's attention is. Like, not, I'm not saying, like, a stranger. Who, excuse me, pardon me. But what is the way that you get attention to someone that you are the most comfortable with? Like, hey, over here. Like, you know, like, how do you get, how do you get the attention of the person that you were, like, so intimate with that you're, like, eyes up here, buddy. Like, this is exactly... <laughs> Like, David is saying, like, God, I am talking to you. And you, you can tell already from this entrance that there's a certain level of comfort there. There's a certain familiarity there. It's not just like, hi, I'm sorry, what was your name again? It's like, we've done this a million times, and I'm just letting you know that I'm talking to you right now. Uh, there's a certain, like, as you practice, there's a certain familiarity with God. And even from this reading, we learn three things right off the bat about prayer. One is that prayer is intended to be prayer. And what I mean by that is sometimes, um, you know, there's some like uh, 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 other members of the Christian family that I love uh, and adore and also like say things about prayer that I don't really agree with. <laughs> like when they're talking about like, you know, the other day I um, went surfing and instead of going to church and it was kind of like, that was my prayer. And it was like, um, I agree that almost any activity can become prayer, but I disagree that you can like fall into prayer without intending to pray. Prayer is something that's like, you know, like this last line, because I am praying to you. Prayer, if, if you're praying while you're sewing or while you're surfing or while you're walking in nature, love that. Um, that, that. I totally love doing all of those things. But I think that there's power in saying like, I'm starting a prayer right now. I'm opening up a line of communication in the prayer. Um, because like that way, it's, it's, it's like an intentional opening or intentional receiving to God. Like, there is something intentional about saying, like, I'm going to start my prayer here. And eventually we get so good at it that, like, uh, you know, on our best days, our, all of our life feels like a prayer, and we bring a certain prayerful attention to things. But I do think there's power in saying, like, I'm showing up to my practice. Um, second is that prayer is both self-referencing and God-referencing. Um, prayer is both self-referencing and God-referencing. What do I mean by that? Um, there is, like, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of different prayer traditions. I know just from hearing a lot of y'all stories about what prayer means and how you learn to pray. Like, for some folks, it was like, I'm going to, like, raise my hands and run up and down the aisle, and I'm going to speak in tongues. And that was, like, some folks in this room. And then other folks in this room were like, I'm going to fold my hands and then say, God, just, please, just, um... 
just help the just um, Okay, a little bit of shade, but the point is that like, when I have experienced prayer the most powerfully, whether it is charismatically running up and down the aisles or folding my hands quietly and contemplatively, it has been because there is both a deep sense in and a deep sense out. There is like, I'm calling from the depths of who I am into the depths of who you are, God. Like there's this kind of like deep communication. And so it's hard to show up to prayer and say, you know, I'm just gonna talk about God. I don't really wanna deal with my stuff. (laughs) And it's also hard to show up to prayer being like, I'm gonna just like uh, uh, have God be like this listening ear who uh, when God wants to respond, I'm not gonna listen to her. You know, like there's kind of this like, back and forth in, in, um, in prayer. And lastly, just from this first verse, we learned that for prayer to work, it must be honest. For prayer to work, we have to practice a certain level of candor with ourselves, a certain level of honesty with ourselves. I don't know how good you are at hiding your emotions, by the way. Um, I, in and in, in maybe your partner or your, uh, your friend or your neighbor can tell you how good you are at hiding your, notion, your emotions. I thought that I was pretty good at hiding my emotions at, and, you know, like keeping, like keeping it on. And uh, uh, Brian, my partner, has taught me that I am not good at hiding my emotions. I'm, in fact, uh, quite uh, transparent about my emotions, so much so that when Brian walks into a room, it's like he walks into, like, it's like the temperature of the room is different, and he's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. What's on your mind? Like, I am so bad at hiding emotions in a way that I so thought I was good at hiding emotions. But um, uh, if for prayer to work, you kind of have to imagine God being the God who is like, okay, so what's on your mind? What's really on your mind? No, but like what is underneath the thing that, don't give me the one-line answer that you tell your coworker as you're rushing off to your thing. I want to hear the deep truth about what's going on in your life. Like there's a deep honesty in prayer. And we, when we uh, read the psalm, we see this uh, commitment to showing up honestly. Uh, In the next verse, we see, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay it all out before you. Does it say I lay some of it out before you? I lay out the convenient part. I lay out the most uh, Instagrammable, Snapchatty parts. I lay out the highlight reel. Ah. God is asking you to lay it all out before her. God is saying, like, I want to know the whole truth about how you are receiving your life. Because there is no relationship without truth. Did anyone see Moulin Rouge? Like, without trust, there is no love. Hallelujah. Roxanne. So the point is that, like, we have to lay it all out before God. And there's a particular practice that I love using to lay it out before God. For those of you who have been to New City for years, uh, this may be a recap of a certain practice that I love very much. Um, and for those of you who read my book, Staying Awake, The Gospel for Changemakers, available at chalicepress.com, you may also be familiar with this. But, uh, and if you are, I hope that after the service or in the chat, you kind of um, give tips or advice for how, how people can, starting this practice can go. But this is called welcoming prayer, and I adapted it from... Um, uh, contemplative outreach. 
And so the first step of welcoming prayer, and by the way, there's only four steps, only four steps to welcoming prayer. The first step is to say, like literally writing out, welcome blank, and name the emotion. Welcome, like literally name the emotion. Because sometimes the power of emotions is that um, they grow louder when they aren't named. Uh, so, so you can use tools like, have you ever seen the feeling wheel? You can just Google the feeling wheel. Big fan of the feeling wheel. So in the, in the center, it has like very basic uh, feelings or, uh, you know, like uh, mad or sad or joyful. And then with each concentric circle, it gets a little bit more precise about what feeling you're actually feeling. And so in welcoming prayer, you have this opportunity to say like, not only welcome mad, but it could be welcome defeated or welcome uh, frustrated or welcome uh, accomplished. Like the more precise you can be about what you're feeling, the more truth you will be able to have in your prayer. Emotions I've learned are kind of like, um, like the old timey show um, Lassie. Did y'all <laughs> you know about the, the boy, the idea is like Lassie is this dog who like, alerts people about things that need attention. And that, you know, it's like, arf, arf, what's that? Timmy's in the well? And then like, amazingly, they go over. And so emotions are kind of like, are, are kind of like guard dogs. Emotions are kind of like sirens going off. In that, they let you know that something is going on in you. They, they're, they're barking at you, they're letting you know something is happening in your life. But emotions aren't necessarily, um, articulate. Their emotions aren't necessarily eloquent. They're just there to let you know that something is happening. And so when I feel anger, it's the little alarm going off in my head to be like, hey, something unfair is happening. I'm just letting you know that something unfair is happening. And similar to a dog who is not uh, being heard, the emotion is only going to bark louder the more you ignore it or the more you stuff it down. If you say like, you know, I actually don't want to deal with my sadness right now or I don't want to deal with my anger, that, just, that guard dog is just going to bring more of its friends and then all of a sudden you're going to have a big old problem because there's a, some loud, loud sirens going off. And so welcoming prayer is first just like trying to see an emotion into the room. You'll notice the power dynamic here, by the way. Welcoming prayer means you are welcoming in the emotion. You are in charge of the house. Uh, you are setting the stage. Like, I am, here's my living room. I'm getting you ready. I'm pouring you some iced tea. Welcome. And that means that ultimately, the emotion, no matter how strong it is, doesn't run the house. The emotion isn't stronger. Sometimes it can feel so overwhelming to these big emotions. And welcoming prayer reminds us that even our most overwhelming emotions are not running the house. This is especially important. I know I dragged Enneagram 4s a little bit earlier. Um, I know some Enneagram 4s in my life, I, you know, I, when I was tr uh, trained in the Enneagram, and if you're not familiar with that, don't worry about it. But Enneagram 4s talk about, like, emotionally, it doesn't feel like I am a small boat in a big storm. It feels like I am the storm. Ah. <laughs> uh. And I'm like, this is the most beautiful Enneagram 4 moment in the whole world because it's so poetic, but also so 
forfeiting the power that you have in regards to your emotions. Like welcoming prayer is saying like, even when it, in the days that it feels like I am the storm, I can remember that I am in charge of the house. I can welcome in my own emotions. This is a big uh, learning curve for Enneagram 4s. Enneagram 4s help other people to feel emotions, and so I'm not, uh, they're very important, but I just um, want to be clear the power differential that's happening in prayer. The second step is that you just allow that emotion to speak. Sometimes I draw it because it's kind of easier to communicate with something that I draw. And it's like, okay, so welcome, uh, 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 discouraged. What's your story? And then I just let discouraged say their own little thing. And I intentionally put quotation marks there, because this is all written, by the way. I intentionally put quotations there, because this is my emotion speaking. It's not my, like, most elevated, uh, correct self. It's just this raw energy emotion speaking. And what that allows me to do is say some of the hard or difficult or unwanted thoughts in the context of an emotion speaking instead of, you know, because sometimes you think things that's like, I can't believe I just thought that. Or, you know, like when um, uh, I was, a common thought for folks who are taking care of their elderly parents who are like really aging and really nearing death, like a common thought is like, maybe it'd be easier if they were to die. And that's one of those thoughts that's like, <gasps> I can't believe I just said that. <gasps> I, just, I just said that I want my parent to die. And welcoming prayer is like, no, 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 no. There is an emotion inside of you that is saying that. That doesn't mean that that's what you're gonna say or what you, you, know, what you truly, it's just like part of you the siren is going off and, and it needs to say its thing in order to not be going off anymore. So it's, it creates a protective container for you to say things that are even kind of scary for you to admit to yourself. This is also, by the way, a great way to expedite the process of coming out of the closet. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, so much of the thing that keeps people in the closet is like, I'm not actually, I'm not actually attracted to that guy over there. Uh, I, I just, I just want to spend time with him. You know, I just want to be around him. I just want to like lightly uh, brush by him when I pass him. Uh, I just want to, I just want to like really think about how he uh, dyed his hair and how great it looks like. But I'm not gay. I'm not gay. You know, and welcoming prayer is like, well, maybe we had a little party is a little gay, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Um, and so, uh, step one, welcome the emotion. Step two, that emotion gets to say what it does. Uh, step three, thank the emotion, no matter how hard it's, what it said was, like, thank you to the emotion. Thank you, anger, for being here, because you're showing me that I care about fairness. Thank you, shame, for being here, because you're showing me that I might be acting in a way that is harming my relationship with someone, and I care about relationships. I think that you maybe came in a little hot, but nonetheless you are here because you're trying to protect my standing in a community, which is an important function of shame. Like all of these emotions, I think, have like a certain sacred purpose to them. It's just sometimes they start driving the bus when really they should be the passenger. Um, so you thank the emotion, uh, and then, uh, and then na of course, naturally, other emotions are going to pop up. So it's like, thank you 
anger for that. Okay, moving on. Oh, okay, there's more people here. Hello, what's your name? And then you just start the process again. Welcome defensiveness. Welcome uh, optimism and hope. Welcome taskmaster. Welcome joy. Like all of these little characters heard that you were hosting a brunch and they want in. And so you're welcoming them into the space. The, um, the research... Uh, that my therapist friends have told me about say that you're pro at any given time you're probably feeling five emotions at the same time. Ooh! Ooh! And toxic masculinity doesn't let us even name one of them. So, like, we, we gotta practice, okay? Uh, we gotta practice being able to name, like, at least five emotions within ourselves. And then, of course, since this is a prayer, we say, so what do you think, God? <laughs> This is an important step. This is actually the most important step because the, all the st steps one through three was like, I'm trying to be honest with myself. And step four is I'm trying to put that in conversation with the truth of God. So it's like, who am I? What am I about? What are my emotions telling me? And then the next step is like, so what does a God who is unconditionally loving for me, who shows unending grace for me, who has made a way for me. What does that God have to say about all this? Because here's the truth. Sometimes, no matter how self-aware we pretend that we are, the, the truth of our emotions is so limited and finite that we get ourselves stuck in these negativity ruts or these kind of like cynicism ruts, these despair ruts, even when we're like the most self-aware of ourselves. And it's helpful to put this in conversation with this 2,000-year-old scripture tradition that was handed down to you to say, like, well, what does, what does the God that we have encountered and know say about that? Sometimes it's helpful to have a God who reminds us that you are loved beyond measure, regardless of your choices, regardless of how, much, how productive you were, how much you contributed to capitalism today, you are loved. You are called to center marginalized voices regardless of how like, comfortable you feel today. Like, there's a certain backdrop that our conversation with God helps us with. And so that's welcoming prayer. And I love this because um, sometimes welcoming prayer is like, I, I journal half a page, it kind of feels like a natural stopping point, and then it's done. And other times welcoming prayer is like, an hour in the morning, and I didn't even know I was journaling for an hour, but Brian's like getting ready to work, to leave for work, and he's like, you're still journaling? And I'm like, I'm talking to Jesus. So like, <laughs> um, welcoming prayer um, has accompanied me every day, basically uh, for a decade, and it has completely changed my life, and I'm convinced that it can completely change your life. One of the things that you'll find, and this is kind of like, for second level welcoming prayer, for first level welcoming prayer, I do want to name, and I, do, I think I might have a slide about this. No, I don't. Okay. First level welcoming prayer, I want to name that in our community, sometimes people have named that opening up emotions, uh, especially for people who have experienced trauma, opens up so many emotions that it really is overwhelming or it really is too much. And so first level welcoming prayer is sometimes it's helpful to just be like, I'm going to practice being the gentlest, kindest host to myself as I can. Like, I'm just going to practice saying, like, wow, that sounds really hard. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. That was unfair. 
I wish that that didn't happen to you. What does healing look like now that it did? Like sometimes it's just like, we're just gonna be real nice with ourselves. That's important. And if you can't establish that foundation, then just stay there forever, right? Like that is really important. But sometimes uh, I feel like in welcoming prayer, God can be a little bit of um, draggedy Anne to me, like a little bit, like dragging me a little bit. <laughs> Raggedy Anne, dragging me, draggedy Anne. Okay, I, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you're getting it. And I, um, and I just like see this in the, uh, in the scripture. I, um, it was actually so troubling that I didn't even um, make a slide for it because it's kind of like, uh, it has that troubling line you hate all evildoers, you destroy liars, the Lord despises. You know, that part of the scripture is always the part that's like, ooh, what am I supposed to do with that part of the scripture? But here's my hot take on this. This is David writing this, and David is saying, I've done all these things. We have in the scripture, with that whole thing that went down with Bathsheba, where he like murdered a guy to be able to like assault someone, a, a woman, like, He's like, I kind of, I, at least part of me has done all the things. David explicitly lied to people throughout his life. He led military campaigns that killed tens of thousands of people. And I believe that God in prayer is not saying, I want you to hate evildoers and go on a crusade, but rather like there is an unhealed part of yourself that we're calling shorthand evil, and that God is like, hey, maybe it's time for you to kind of bring that up and really deal with this. And so I kind of think, like, God destroys liars, and it starts with me. <laughs> like, God destroys the lies that I tell myself about myself. God is like, we don't have time to pretend with the falsehood and the masquerade of what you are doing out in the world, and I'm going to destroy all the lies that you're telling myself. And in that regard, prayer can be kind of intense. Prayer can be kind of um, fierce, because all of a sudden it's like, I'm not even um, protected by the armor of my lies anymore. I'm vulnerably exposed in truth to God. And that can feel kind of intense sometimes. But ultimately, um, I, and I love how this, this section ends. We will eventually find a God uh, like what David said. But me, I will enter your house because of your abundant faithful love. I will bow down at your holy temple honoring you. No matter how hard prayer is, no matter how hard it is to stick to a practice, eventually we find ourselves not only welcoming our emotions into our house, but that we ourselves are being welcomed into God's house. And this is the greatest joy of life. This is the deepest purpose of what it means to be alive. This is what makes being so honest with ourselves so worth it, because we find ourselves in deep relationship with a God who never stops loving us and through our actions and words allows us to never stop loving the world. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So um, I want to just give you self, uh, a little bit of time. Maybe we could have a little bit of music under this. Um, for you to write a little love note to yourself. You, can, you have those little postcards there. Just to write a love note to yourself. What advice do you have for your younger self regarding your relationship with yourself and or with prayer, wherever you're at.
gracias. Somehow, the closer that we get to God, the closer we get to ourselves. And, and that's a true mystery. Hallelujah. Um, I would love if there's anyone in the community who would like to share a response to the question that we have here, feel free to line up right here if, um, if you'd like. I want to especially invite you uh, to keep these in mind. We're looking for a shorter share, so just like one, kind of sharing one idea or one concept or one story. All people are welcome to share. We especially want to encourage BIPOC and queer voices. Um, this is not a space to overshare. We invite you to share from something that feels pretty resolved or pretty kind of set. And uh, lastly, do save pitches for Circle. So we want to hear about um, what's going on in your life, what events, what shows you're in, and that kind of thing. Um, go ahead and post those to Circle so that we can have that written and not just have it as kind of another announcement. Also, if you're in the audience um, listening to these people uh, speak, go ahead and take a picture of the postcard of your note, and you can text it to this number so that we can post it uh, to Circle on Wednesday. So texting it to this number is like, I want this shared with the community, is what that is saying. Okay, um, also, uh, while, and if there is anyone who wants to share, go ahead and line up here, and if not, that's totally fine. There was some great sharing in the chat um, from our live stream. Thank you to our live stream community for um, sh sharing so well in the chat. Um, there are some folks who are pretty weirded out about getting totally bound up in plastic wrap at youth group. Yeah, I don't know. It was like the early thousands, and things were <laughs> things were weird. Uh, Low-rise jeans and plastic. It was it was a weird time. Um, Yes, well, uh, interestingly, welcome, uh, there was someone talking about how welcoming prayer has been so helpful this year, and then someone in the New City community explained what welcoming prayer was before I explained what welcoming prayer was. Hallelujah! We give thanks for the reinforcement. Thank you so much. Um, a shout out that uh, there are some folks who like my book. It's available at childspress.com. Uh, I... <laughs> um, there were some fours who can say, like, I can attest to the feeling that I am the storm, and, um, and that it's important that emotions don't run the house. And I just want to show the most um, gentleness and kindness to that feeling. Like, when you feel like you're really, truly in the storm, it's a wonderful time to practice um, so much just small kindness to yourself. Okay, um, uh, yes. Uh, is a helpful reminder to not skip step four, otherwise it's mindful, which is also good, but not prayer. It's a mindfulness practice, but not a prayer practice. That's a actually a helpful framework. Uh, we have a community share here. Can we show lots of love? Hi. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. This morning was just like, it was a really weird morning. And a lot of stuff happened. And a lot of the ways that like I've learned to cope has been through writing. So like during the sermon, as I was listening, I was just like writing as well. And it was like based off of a question. So I wanted to share. If God gives you grace and grace is sufficient, 
And on this earth, we are in this constant struggle to be like God. Why do you not offer yourself grace? If on the seventh day, God rested, and on this earth, God is your rock, why do you spend all of your joy on work? If the mountains tremble at her strength, but love is still more important, why do you not depend on those God has placed in your life? Your strength does not need to be proven for this is a futile act. Meaning, the more you try to justify your strength, the more you only prove your weakness. Dear beautiful child, dear wonderful child, dear weak child, you are holy. Your body is a temple. Your roles are God-given and therefore God-loved. Dear holy child, you try to heal yourself. Your spirit is a living being that needs to be nurtured. You may think that you have strayed from the straight and narrow, but that's how thin the path is. Dear healing child, your heart and brain are traumatized. And because of this, there is much you have to learn and unlearn. And that's the reality. However, God has given you the grace of discernment, and these, young one, are your visions. Righteousness exudes from you, and your existence is revolutionary. Your faults are the basis for God's glory because she does not expect you to be perfect. God's love is perfect, but yours is not. If you wait for yourself to be able to love perfectly, before you start loving yourself, you'll be waiting forever. You deserve love, even if it's imperfect, because God's grace is sufficient. This is a prayer, a prayer that I am still praying now, a prayer that I wish I prayed when I was younger, and a prayer that I will continue to pray. Thank you so much. Ooh, grateful for the testimony. Hallelujah. <sighs> Powerful. That that my my sermon was really a pre-sermon. Let's let's be real. <laughs> like let's be real. <laughs> we give glory for the wisdom in the room. Oh, thank you so much, and for the vulnerability. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hallelujah. Um, I just want to give thanks to everyone who is a financial giver to this space. Your generosity has made all of this possible. If you um, uh, would like to start giving to New City, you can just scan this QR code right here or visit this website. Um, your recurring giving is helping us to envision a building use uh, that could create beloved community. The Walker Community Church officially voted that they would like to start the process of gifting this building to New City Church. Wow! And uh, <laughs> we give thanks for that. And, um, and really to go into this boldly, we're, we're looking for our community members to commit in this way. Um, I want to, uh, for us to uh, close in this song. So let's go ahead and sing this song and then just go into Peace of the Earth after that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then I'll have some announcements for the community. God has 
you all so much. Hey, as you're packing up, I just want to uh, let two quick videos happen, but collect your things and start moving towards the courtyard. Here's an announcement about the zine. What's up, New City? My name is Jesse Alex. My pronouns are they, them, and he, him. And on behalf of me and Siobhan, we have some super exciting news to share with y'all today. We're bringing back the New City zine. For those of you who are new with us, New City, during the pandemic, we created a zine surrounding the general themes of protest, resilience, grief, and hope amongst the George Floyd uprisings. And it was such a huge hit with everyone when Siobhan and I brainstormed about how we can incorporate more art into our community, we decided to bring the zine back. So calls for submissions will come soon, but right now we are looking for volunteers who are wanting to work along Siobhan and I to come up with a theme and help bring everything together once submissions close. So if this sounds interesting, you can reach out to us to our email or on Circle, and our call ends on October 2nd. See y'all soon. Yay! And by the way, if you haven't, uh, and Walker folks, you're welcome to start coming in and setting up. If you haven't registered for small groups, uh, here's your link. Hey, New City, it's Rosie. Just popping in with a reminder that registration for fall small groups is live. I'm not going to get too into the details of each group in this video, but uh, head on over to that monday.com link, and there's a uh, about a paragraph long description of all of our offerings this fall. There's uh, hybrid, remote, and in-person options. There's book groups, there's life together groups, there's a hybrid book group and life together group, a couple of spaces focused on um, creativity. So yeah, uh, if you see something you like, please sign up for a group. If you don't see something that you like, email me about what you'd like to see and uh, hopefully we can get something on for you next season. But uh, yeah, Deadline to sign up is September 25th, so uh, please get those forms filled out as soon as you can. And if you have any questions, as always, feel free to email me at rosiel at grownewcity.church or DM me on Circle. Okay, uh, hope to see y'all on site later this fall or keep connecting with you remotely if you are um, a remote member. Okay, Yay! bye. Yay, thanks so much, Rosie. That's it, okay, thanks everyone. <laughs> Feel free to give me your little love note if you want it to be in the letter. <laughs>